Michigan makes a statement win at Indiana. Shea Patterson continues to impress, and the game is upon us. I'm Adam Abel, and this is the M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans, to the M Factor, coming to you live from the M Factor studios right here in downtown Jackson, Michigan. It's a special Tuesday edition, so thanks for tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We have a great show for you tonight. Michigan with a very convincing and honestly unexpected shellacking of Indiana. We will look at Shea Patterson's record-setting run, and the Buckeyes are coming to town. Plus, as usual, this week's rival annoyance. But before we get into all of that, thanks again for tuning in to the M Factor here on Facebook Live. Be sure to comment, give me your thoughts and opinions throughout the broadcast so we can discuss it right here and right now. Don't be bashful. If you are catching this episode via podcast after the show, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud and subscribe to the M Factor. Make sure to leave us a good review. And as always, a nice five-star rating to help skyrocket the M Factor in the rankings so us Wolverines fans can take over the college football podcast world. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to hit that share button so we can get all of us football, uh, college football fans involved. And that is the point of the M Factor. So with that, let's get rolling with episode 12 live on Facebook. We start off with the Indiana recap. Of course, the the absolute butt whooping uh, of the Hoosiers this past Saturday. I have to honestly say I was a little shocked with how well Michigan played on the road against an Indiana squad that had been rolling and was honestly close to upsetting Penn State the weekend before. I even stated in last week's episode that it was going to be a tough uh, tough game if we spotted Indiana the lead first, but boy, was I proven wrong, but happily proven wrong, I will say. Let's get into the team stats and box st- scores really quick. Uh, it was <clears throat> it was Michigan uh, leading in first downs 22 to 19. Again, the, the stats really didn't show an absolute domination of the Hoosiers. Really, it was just the, the final score, right? Third down efficiency, 5 of 12 to 5 of 12. Fourth downs, we went for it one time. We were one of one. Indiana was one of two. Total yards, we did have their number with over like 132 more than them. 453 for the Wolverines, 321 for Indiana. Passing, Shea Patterson, as I mentioned in the the intro, Shea Patterson with an awesome game, 366 yards to 224 for Ramsey and Indiana. Completions per attempts, 20 of 32 for Michigan, 18 of 30 for Indiana. And rushing was 87 yards for Michigan and Indiana with 97 penalties, six of 49 for the boys in blue and Indiana with eight for 86, you know, kind of doubled us up almost in yardage there. But in terms of actual penalties, you know, six to eight, that's not terrible. Uh, Not a terrible difference right there. Turnovers. Here we go. Michigan wins the turnover battle. We mentioned it last week in the M factors for the game. It was Turnovers 1-2, to two. Michigan wins the turnover battle. We'll get into that a little later as well. Shea Patterson did have that interception. Didn't really cost us, and it didn't really matter because he had a great game. So uh, time of possession was Indiana at 28-0, or pardon me, Michigan 28-0-6 to Indiana's 31-54. 
Indiana did get us in the time of possession. Didn't matter because we were actually scoring and passing. And uh, at the end of the game, it just it just didn't matter. The final score is all that matters, right, folks? Individual stats. We'll get into Shea Patterson. Just uh, absolute dominant game. Twenty of thirty-two, three sixty-six, eleven point four yards per pass. Five TDs to one interception. That's insane. A QBR of 93.6. Peyton Ramsey for Indiana, not a great game, 17 of 29, 217, but he did have that one INT and no touchdown, so that kind of hurt his QBR. Michigan rushing, they didn't have to rush. They didn't have to run the ball. It was fantastic. It was the exact opposite of the Notre Dame game. This is what I mentioned last week against Michigan State. If the run is not there, then they are passing the ball. They are making they they are making the adjustments, and I'm really I credit the coaching staff for this. It was uh, all day Charbonnet with eight carries for 46 yards. Hassan Haskins uh, led the team in carries, but not in yardage. 13 carries for 44 yards. No one really dominant for Indiana. Stevie Scott the third actually left the game with an injury, so that kind of hurt. But uh, 13 carries for 54 yards for him. In the receiving side, this is another big key of the game. Shea Patterson spreading it around. We will get into that in a little bit. Nico Collins with a career day. Six receptions, 165 yards, three touchdowns, and that long is 76, which was pretty sweet. DPJ with five receptions, 473 yards, and everyone else kind of just was spread around. Uh, but uh, DPJ did have that touchdown catch, and Ronnie Bell also had a touchdown catch, so good for him. Let's get into some of the defensive stats. It was Daxon Hill with actually leading the team with eight tackles. It was Aiden Hutchinson with seven tackles, Cleek Hudson with six, Amory Thomas with six, and everyone out rounded a five or less. It was Hutchinson's with a sack. Josh Ushay had a sack. Quiddy Pay had a sack, so overall three sacks for the Wolverines only uh, to uh, what was it? Uh, I believe two for the Hoosiers. So it was defensively kind of a dominating performance, especially in the second half, not allowing a point. Uh, it did take them a little bit to get started, though. So let's get into some of the game thoughts. First and foremost, big, big road game and a big, big win on the road. This was not, uh, this year it was not a trap game by any means, and that's great because the past uh, decade, it seems like it's always been a close game against Indiana. This year, not so much. It's nice to see Michigan come out, and this was a, a team that was ranked, what, 26, I believe. Indiana was ranked 26, so right there in the honorable mention category. So I, I was a little worried at the start. Indiana kind of came down and really stuck it to us on on offense that first drive. Uh, and that was just, it was, it was remnants of years past, right? The ghost of Christmas past right there. The ghost of Thanksgiving past. How about that? Uh, Shea Patterson and those receivers were just amazing. I mentioned the spread the ball around, uh, around nine receivers, nine receivers had a reception those last game. That's two games in a row. That was great for Shea Patterson. Well done. Really turning it up at the right point in the season, right folks? And Michigan wins the turnover battle again. Only one INT to two turnovers for Indiana. They had that INT as well as that interception. That was really, I mean, it didn't it didn't really win us the game. I think our offense actually won us the game. But when you they're just practice, it seems like they are just really getting ready for this Ohio State game and improving every week. And they really reiterated uh, before that Penn State game, don't turn the ball over. You have to win the turnover battle, and they have done it since Penn State, clearly, on, on just one turnover, and that was 
that is kind of what we need, definitely what we need for this weekend's game. Uh, again, the, the adaption to throw the ball when it's when their running game is their weakness. So they're, they're not their running game, but uh, Indiana's pass defense is their weakness. That is something that in years past, especially in Harbaugh's staff, that we really haven't seen. We really haven't seen the adaption of the of the coordinators of the coaching staff to really get in there and say, hey, guess what? Maybe we can't do that. Uh, maybe this isn't the best idea. We've seen Indiana exploit us year after year after year. Last year, I think uh, Urban Meyer took a page out of Indiana's playbook and started throwing those underneath routes. And it was something that Indiana had success with against us last year. Not so much this year. We were a totally different team this year. It was great to see. And we it's, it's good to see that coaching staff really adapt and make the adjustments, right? Make real-time adjustments. Real-time. We're not talking after the game. We're not talking even at halftime. Technically, after Indiana drove down the field and scored that first touchdown, pretty easy if, uh, if I do say so myself. They made the adjustments. They made the adjustments. They changed up their coverage. They, they had some man-to-man, -man, and they really got after the quarterback again. And, of course, they've always been pretty solid at stopping the run, but that was something that really stuck out in my mind, and it's really stuck out in my mind against Michigan State after their first drive, and they, they came down and scored. Notre Dame, you know, not so much, but still, uh, at halftime of the Penn State game, we own the second half against Penn State. This is something that we wanted to see all year long. There's something that I had a, a gripe about last year after the Indiana game. It was, how do we not adapt? How does Harbaugh not adapt to the game as it is nowadays? It's just, it's speed. And speaking of speed, how about the speed in space? It's really showed up since the Penn State. I alluded to this in earlier episodes, how we were promised these, these five-star, four-star athletes using them in space. Let's face it, guys. We have we have at least three NFL receivers on that squad. You can't tell me. I bet, th I bet three of them go in the first two rounds. They are great wide receivers, and we just have not utilized them or we didn't utilize them in the first half of the season. Guess what? Now we are, and look, look, we're just reaping the benefits of it, right? So let's get into some of the M factors of this game. It was uh, – there are two really big ones, and I've kind of already stated both of them actually, but first and foremost is the coaching staff. The coaching staff de deserves props, right? Coaching staff, they got the boys ready to play. Not look ahead to Ohio State like they have in years past. Not a trap game. It was not a trap game. They they knew this Indiana team was going to come to play. The weather wasn't all that great, but at the same time, I mean, Michigan put up, uh, put up what, 39 points, 39-14, and it just really, really gave me a good feeling to see that the coaching staff got the, got the, the boys up ready to play. And – as I mentioned earlier, adjustments after that opening drive on defense, that those adjustments were just huge. It's great to see because we just haven't seen it in, in years past, especially under Harbaugh. Harbaugh is so stubborn that he does not seem to make those adjustments. He always wants to, okay, we're going to run it down their throats. We're not going to, we're going to go zone. I know that always isn't his call, but at the same time, it's good to see these, or if it's Harbaugh allowing the coaching staff to really make these adjustments, so be it. Keep it going. Great job, coaching staff. Second M factor goes to my man Shea Patterson. I was a little uh, turned off, you know, earlier this season. Uh, even even myself was calling for McCaffrey to get in there. I know it's, it's terrible. I don't want to be 
uh, a hypocrite, but boy, is he again, proven me wrong. And I uh, couldn't be happier about it. Shea Patterson goes 20 of 32, five TDs, the first Michigan quarterback to throw for four or more TDs in back-to-back games, which is rather shocking to me. I can't believe it. Second, Shea Patterson, seeing the field well, spreading it out again, spreading it out. I said this against Michigan State, and I'm going to say it again. Spreading it out again, nine different receivers, and really seeing the field, picking his spots, being accurate. He is he's just picking his poison, right? Last week it was Ronnie Bell. This week it was Nico Collins. And to be honest with you, we're going to need all of them this weekend. That is for certain. So let's, you know, we're talking about Shea Patterson. Let's go to topic two again. Thanks everyone for joining. Don't be afraid to leave a comment. I see Landon Lando. Good to see you, buddy with the hail. That's awesome. Don't, don't be afraid to leave us a comment or an opinion so we can uh, talk about it. I'll be sure to mention it on air, but let's move on to topic number two. And that is Shea Patterson, just unstoppable really since the second half of the Penn state game, right? He has 11 total TDs to just one INT. Had three games, a uh, three-game streak there where he went without an INT. And let's let me ask you guys if if you want to chime in, what has really happened? I have a few things. One, has the offense really started to click? I think so. They're finally starting to learn Gaddis's offense. This is what we were promised at the beginning of the season, and it's starting to really take shape. It's really starting to grow. I think the guys are really starting to get it. And it's it's really fun to watch, really. I mean, you got to be honest. This offense has been great to watch ever since that the second half of the Penn State game, right? Uh, my second thing is, is Shea healthy now? There was a lot, a lot of conspiracy theories thinking that his shoulder was still, or his oblique, uh, pardon me, was still injured. And you could kind of see it, right? He, he would pull the ball. He would not run the ball like he did last year. He would not read those fakes. He just didn't, he just didn't have the same elusiveness he didn't have the same energy he didn't have the same uh you know kind of ghostness that he had last year and pulling that ball he's yet to fake out the camera right folks he's yet to fake out the camera guys uh he he did that probably once a game last year but I'm maybe wait for it maybe it's maybe it's coming this weekend my third is is he getting better protection this kind of goes back to the first point are these guys really starting to get it maybe they are if they're starting to get this the blocking schemes the plays that what what Gaddis is really trying to do and props to Harbaugh if he finally really did release the offense to Gaddis. Is he really starting to? Is the offensive line really starting to get it work together as a unit? Uh, you're really starting to see that because Shea's really starting to get the protection that uh, he was promised all year long because this offensive line was supposed to be the best in the Big Ten. We really didn't see that early on. Now we're really starting to see it. Uh, maybe uh, number four is is he facing weaker defenses? No, 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 no. We got Penn State in there. We got Notre Dame. We got, well, I'm not going to say Michigan State. Let's let's be honest. They're terrible all the way around. So I don't even know why I mentioned them. But And, um, you know, Indiana. Indiana's not known for a good defense, but this year they've been winning simply because they've actually had a better defense than they have had in years past. So weaker defenses? No, 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 I don't think so. Last but least is the coaching. Uh, I think this is a big one. Offense has started to click finally. Better protection, healthy now uh, for Shea Patterson, and coaching. Coaching with the with the adaptation, with the adjustments that they make in these games, I really think that this is really helping. JJ, great point too. JJ Van Pernis, ball security, and we can finally get in rhythm. That's that's a great point. 
Uh, that's uh, I was getting into I was getting into number six there, but yes, these turnovers uh, I alluded to it earlier in the in the broadcast. These turnover the turnover margin has just been fantastic, uh, especially since this Penn State game. Remember they uh, they had one turnover in the Penn State game, but it was in the in the the first half, right? I believe it was in the first half. So uh, from the second half on, they have only had uh, what one two turnovers. You know what I mean? That is fantastic. So uh, it's a very good point. When you don't turn the ball over, one, your defense gets a rest, right? You're not turning the ball over. You're not uh, going three and outs. Uh, the defense is getting a rest. And second, you can finally get in that rhythm. I think you're absolutely right, JJ. That's that's a that's a very good point. I, I've really noticed that his intensity is back too. I mentioned it after the Penn State game. He finally is really getting up, getting in guys' faces, getting getting hyped when there's a good play. You know, fist pumping. Uh, you know, getting the getting the the Tiger Woods after the good putt. It, it really is good to see. And what I like about it is he, he just, you know, early in the season, he, he find, he, it looks like he's finally taking over the leadership after not being voted a captain. He's done pouting. Remember I said that before. It looked like he was pouting earlier this year, just kind of always down. You know, he's got the eye black, which looks pretty cool, but it just always looks like he's tired, you know, got the puffy face. I don't know, maybe he was out partying too much, but – who who knows? I hope not. Not as a not as a Michigan starting quarterback, right? So I don't think that's the case. But I do think there was a little bit of pouting, you know, as a as a as a as a senior uh, for Michigan as a quarterback, especially a second year starter, right? As a second year starter, you kind of you kind of hope to be voted as a captain, but maybe he's just not there. But he's taken over. You don't have to be captain to be a leader. Remember, I said that early on. So uh, he's he's really making better reads too on that read option. He, he's finally starting to see that defensive end, which way his hips are going. Is it parallel to the line? Of course, if he's parallel to the line, guess what? You, you run the ball. If he, or if you, uh, you hand the ball off, if, if his hips are actually perpendicular to you, boom, you got to run past him. And he's really starting to do that. And what he does is when he makes that good pass, it really opens up or when he makes that good read, it really opens up the pass. And I think that's why you're starting to see a lot of these receivers in open space, we didn't see that. There was no separation early on in the season, right? Now we're starting to see these receivers open, and Shea Patterson is making these very, very accurate throws. He missed maybe two last weekend, but he had a lot of dimes last uh, on Saturday that were very impressive. I know, I know, he did he did overthrow uh, down the sideline there. That was kind of a you know early on there, but. You really look, and a lot of these passes are finally on cue. And let's not forget, he's thrown a lot of these passes outside the pocket. He's out there scrambling. So these are not easy passes. I think he's a very good uh, – he's a much better thrower when he is scrambling. So, you know, he still he still needs to make his reads in the pocket a little quicker because he stands there a bit too long, and I'm sure all of you guys notice the pocket collapses and you get kind of frustrated. That looks like the Shea Patterson of earlier this season, right? Uh, he's he's spreading the ball around, as I mentioned earlier, nine different receivers in two straight games now, two straight games. That is something. He sets a Michigan record for four more TDs in back-to-back games. Not even the terrible, dreadful, I can't even, I, I don't even know why I'm bringing up his name. John Navarre could do that. One of our, one of our university's leaders in all passing records, right? He couldn't even do that. But guess what? John Navarre also started for four straight years. Somehow, someway, I don't know how. Don't get me started on John Navarre. We're done with that. Back to Shea. He has really, really stepped up in the last half of this senior season, and hopefully he has saved his best for last. 
and makes this Saturday's a memorable one because I really want to get into this. Speaking of memories, let's move on to topic three. Again, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, I see a lot of you out there. Make sure you leave your comments. Uh, It's good to see everyone tonight on a Tuesday. I know it's a Tuesday, but we need to get uh, this in before the break. So topic three, the game is here. That's right. The greatest rivalry in all of sports has arrived. Right, Michigan fans? I'm sure you all would still agree. Some say it's no longer rivalry and and very one-sided, obviously, in the past 15 years for certain. No no doubt about that. I, I totally agree, totally agree. But there have been some really great games in those 15 years, and sadly we just came out on the losing end of those. But to be honest, most, most rivalries are one-sided for years at a time, so the game is still a very fitting description for this weekend. Some amazing memories over my lifetime for certain, but I, I, can, I, I can't imagine some of the memories some of the, the older fans have. Please share any of them in the comments section if you wish. Also, be sure to, uh, be sure to share this uh, on your Facebook pages. Really appreciate it. We'll get some more viewers, get some more fans in here. But some just uh, – the ones that jump out for me are, of course, when we were winning, but there are some also that we've lost. But just to name a few, of course, the Charles Wuchin returning that punt. I think I posted it on Twitter, returning that punt for the TD in 97. Also, don't forget about the little scuffle he had with David Boston. We got a cheap TD against him when Woodson kind of tripped and fell. But Marcus Ray upended Boston later that game, which which was awesome. That was a little bit of payback from from a teammate, right? Uh, I believe that was a Sports Illustrated cover, so that's that's pretty cool. Really, the whole Cooper era was pretty amazing too. We went ten two and one from nineteen eighty eight to two thousand. So every game, oh boy, there were some great players throughout that. Of course, the Bianca Batuka game when he was rumbling for three hundred and thirteen yards. And don't forget, guys, a lot of people don't don't remember this, but Ohio State had, uh, was number two going into that game. Listen to this list of players that Ohio State had: Eddie George. Orlando Pace, Terry Glenn, Mike Vrabel, Sean Springs, Ricky Dudley, all just NFL studs, NFL studs. And Michigan rolls them 31-23, to of course, behind Bianca Batuka. I do remember the 2006 game. I see a couple of my Ferris buddies on, on here. Uh, the 2006 game, one versus two. Sadly, it was a loss, but it was the game of the century. But what a game it was. It was just all week was built up. And it was just fantastic. Sadly, Bo passed away that week. Watched it with the Ferris crew over on Sanborn. Lando, I still see you're on. And uh, JJ, yeah, apparently you need to learn how to spell, buddy. But it was fantastic. Uh, some adult beverages were had at the old Ferris Sanborn house. Came back in the second half, but it just wasn't enough, losing 39-42. to 42. And just a sad game. And then actually, they leave uh, – even Ohio State got rolled by Florida after that. So, and that was, you know, everyone wanted a rematch of one versus two in the national championship game. This was obviously before the playoff, but didn't happen. Uh, still, still a good game to watch. Uh, 2016 game was probably my worst memory, even though it was such a, geez, a great season, very memorable year for me and my family. Uh, we all know how that one ended. And it was, uh, sorry, I just, I just won't bring it up. It was, it was tough. It was it was really tough. So the uh, the old fourth down play, but I, I promise not to bring it up. So thanks uh, thanks for uh, uh, tuning into that, folks. Uh, I will get into this Saturday's game here in a few again. Don't forget to share some of your memories if you guys have any anything different than those. I know a lot of people my age probably have the exact same 
uh, good memories and bad memories for that reason, for, uh, for that moment. So uh, let's move on to some other Big Ten action from last Saturday. The really the other big game of the weekend was, of course, the, the Buckeyes and Penn State. Uh, the Buckeyes had to show their cards a little bit here, though, folks. I don't know how many of you actually watch the game. Hopefully most of you. So we get a little little of our uh, scouting in. Right. It was really the first game that they just didn't dominate from start to finish. Uh, Fields, I don't know if, if you guys noticed, Fields was hobbled uh, at least twice that game. Uh, so it was exactly what we were hoping for when the schedule came out. We saw that Penn State game. Sadly, it was in Columbus, crappy Columbus. But we saw that Penn State game and said, ooh, let's let's see. That's right before the Michigan game. Let's see what happens here because uh, Penn State, uh, to play them tough and grind them down a little before uh, before this Saturday, I think that's exactly what Penn State did. I believe everyone is healthy for Ohio State, which is good. You know, you never wish injury on every, anyone. But I think with that, Ohio State with a 28-17 win, but it was close. It was close to the end, honestly. Uh, let's see other other Big Ten action. Minnesota bounced back over at Northwestern, twenty eight was that thirty eight to twenty two. So no big deal there. Uh, okay, so uh, Zach French, thanks for joining, buddy. Apparently saying possible broken left thumb. Uh, that's good to know. I actually didn't see any of that. So thanks for tuning in, buddy. Wisconsin started really slow, but got the W over Purdue twenty or forty five to twenty four. Iowa with a really tough, solid win again. Iowa just their offense is struggling, really bad. But uh, over a surprising Illinois squad, nineteen to ten, good for Illinois. They had a couple solid wins right in a row there. Nebraska over Maryland, fifty four to seven, and I'm not sure if Sparty played this weekend. Does anyone know? Does anyone know if Sparty played this weekend? Uh, just let me know if they did. No one really cares, but uh, I can't remember. So uh, let's get into the Big Ten national rankings. It's Iowa at 19, Wisconsin to 13. Penn State drops all the way to 12th. Not a, not a terrible drop, but Michigan up to number 10, so they crack the top 10. Again, these are the AP. I know the playoff polls just came out, so bear with me, folks. Uh, literally just came out uh, this, uh, tonight. So uh, they uh, – Michigan cracks the top 10, and rightfully so, I feel. They're playing better football than Penn State and Wisconsin in the playoff rankings. Sadly, Wisconsin and Penn State are still ahead of Michigan, which makes sense to, I'm sure, a lot of people because they beat us, right? Minnesota moves back up to number nine, and Ohio State maintains at two, number one in the playoff rankings, sadly, uh, whatever. Uh, but you ask any OSU fan, that they and they are the best team in the country, right? They should be number one. Blah, 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 blah. And that, honestly, folks, will lead me into this week's rival annoyance. I'm, I'm just I'm just getting sick of fans from technically both Sparty and Ohio State really downplaying the accomplishments of yet another possible 10-win season for Harbaugh. This will be his fourth in five years, folks. And I just can't take it. MSU still grasping at straws, just holding on by a thread with their past titles and their playoff appearance years ago. Years ago, folks. Don't forget, these are these are Sparty fans telling us about years ago. I thought we were told to quit living in the past. Remember, Sparty? Get over it and be prepared for another 50 years before you see any trophy again, including Paul Bunyan, perhaps. And OSU, until you can be a SEC school, what what good are your 10 win seasons? You got to tell me that based on on that logic. Uh, you know, last time OSU made the playoffs, uh, you embarrassed the Big 10. I think uh, Michigan State and OSU both embarrassed. I don't think we scored a point. So 
Uh, let's just, you know, hold up here. Now, I would, don't get me wrong, I would prefer a Big Ten championship, of course, worth hardball. Go to the playoffs, of course, but not at the risk of being sub-500 for years in between. I just don't understand these uh, these people that say, uh, mostly mostly Sparty fans, well, you know, oh, I'd take uh, Harbaugh just hasn't done anything at Michigan. Let's just hold up here. There's no way. This notion that 10 wins means nothing and is overrated and championships are the only thing that are important for a fan base is just absurd to me. It's absurd. Let me know your guys' thoughts for anyone that's tuning in. Makes it, it, A 10-win season means that every game throughout that season is exciting. Let me ask you this, Sparty. Uh, I was just told that they did play this weekend against Rutgers. Didn't even know. Michigan State Rutgers. How how exciting was that game, folks? Did you even tune in? Oh, wait, but keep clinging to the pass, you guys, and enjoy your, your basketball. Oh, by the way, nice loss against Virginia Tech last night. Great job, Sparty. I see you were able to pull it out against, what was it, Georgia tonight. Uh, was that improve you to four and two, two losses already on the season? Uh, beating Also, beating your rivals is is always a possibility. A sweeping your rivals and a clean sweep this year would be a pretty successful season in my eyes. Don't forget of our goals earlier before the season even started. If it wasn't a Big Ten championship, beat your rivals. Beat Ohio State. Beat, uh, you know, Michigan State's kind of out there right now. But Notre Dame, beat these squads. Beat these teams that uh, have, have been uh, beating you in the past. Beat these rivals. I really think that it is very important. And I really think that that makes, that's just as important as having a, a bunch of mediocre seasons, not being relevant, and then, and then making a, a big 10 championship game or something like that. Don't get me wrong. I would like to prolong the season, of course, and go to a big 10 championship. It just, it's another fun weekend, right? That's, that's all this would mean to me, but beating your rivals is always a possibility when you are a 10 win team, uh, a 10 win per season team, uh, to me, I love it. And hey, how about another New Year's Six Bowl perhaps this year if we can pull it out this weekend? Putting the team right there year after year only improves the odds of reaching that ultimate goal, right, of getting to the national championship playoffs and maybe even winning a national championship when you can when you when you reiterate the the culture of winning, it just makes it that much easier. It just it just reduces those odds, right? Or it, it increases those odds. Pardon me. If 10 wins is nothing and winning a national championship is the only way to measure your team's success, then outside of Alabama or Clemson, uh, who really is accomplishing that? Please tell me. I will take my 10-win season every year and being in the national scene every season from start to finish. It just makes every Saturday in the fall just that much more exciting and always gives us something to look forward to. And that, folks, is this week's Rival Annoyance. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining everyone. This is the M Factor live on a Tuesday here on Facebook. Thanks for joining. We are rolling into topic number six, our final topic. And that of course is the Ohio state game preview. The game is upon us this Saturday noon on Fox live in Ann Arbor. Girlfriend is flying into town for Thanksgiving weekend. And we'll be joining the fam as usual at the Sanford Lake bar and grill Saturday I'll rent out a nice uh, little section of the bar right there. It's really fun. They got the big screen on, and mostly Michigan fans. Every once in a while, you have that annoying Ohio State fan. Uh, well, sadly, he's been getting his his kicks in the last decade, so hoping, hoping this year's a little different. But always a good time. But I do sadly wish I have seen I could have seen some more Michigan victories right there. 
it's still a great time, but boy, has there been some, oh, just some tense games watched there. So let's get into some of the storylines for the games. Uh, let's see what do we got. A couple of comments real quick. Zach French, 10 wins and so far 2-0 against our rivals. Yep, exactly right. Zach French, Brian Olds. Is Michigan giving you gray hair? <laughs> I know how it goes. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Good to see you, bud. Uh, yeah, actually, actually, they are this season, especially earlier on. But not anymore, buddy. This not this weekend. And uh, you're just like we didn't get to play Northwestern this year because uh, how's how's your Wildcats doing? But anyway, uh, Ohio State favored by eight and a half. We'll get into some of the quick storylines. Eight and a half, just cruising in at eleven and zero, number two in the country. And basically all their fans just punching their, their own ticket into the, the college football playoffs already. And wouldn't it be great to knock them out of it? Just like Cooper in the nineties. Remember Cooper in the nineties used to come into that game ranked one, two, three, easily in the top five, almost every year. Michigan was kind of mediocre in the, especially in the early to mid nineties up until like 97, right up until Lloyd Carr. And we would just ruin their season every time. Now, Ohio State has won 14 of the last 15. Our only win against homeboy was it Luke Fickle, I believe. Uh, geez, that was right before Urban Meyer, right? Right before the transition of Trestle to, to Urban Meyer, uh, the two crooks. So uh, Fickle looks like the only honest one out of the bunch we were able to beat. So uh, that's that's good to know. Well, hopefully Day uh, keeps running a uh, – can run a, a solid program, right? Uh, well, well, we'll see. Buckeye fans and many of them just looking past the Wolverines every year now. And I really, I really don't like that. Again, that takes away from the rivalry. Uh, I do know a couple Ohio state fans that this game's giving them a scare. The the game spread continues to get closer. I believe, I think it started off at like 13 at the beginning of the week, but now down to eight and a half. I think we're playing our best football of the season and Shea Patterson is just on fire. What, it's the time of the year to be on fire too, right, folks? Remember last year he was on fire until that Indiana game. Really, the Rutgers game wasn't that great either. It was windy. Remember it was at? It was over in New Jersey, and he just didn't look that great. But Shea Patterson playing the best ball of his career, technically, of his of his college football career. It's at the big house, so we, we're at the friendly confines of the big house. Now, sadly, what was it, Harbaugh's first year, it wasn't too friendly to us with Zeke. Uh, Zeke just running all over us, and we'll we'll see. I know the big house will be rocking this weekend, and let's not forget Harbaugh could be two and two in this era. I know I say that a lot. I know it's kind of a cop out, but minus the terrible spot three years ago and a corn basically just handing them the game two years ago, you know Harbaugh could be two and two against the squad. And and again, Ohio State is playing their best ball possibly in the last what we'll say 15 years in their history, the best, the best 15 years of their football history. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. So you asked me the, the score of this game six weeks ago. Oh my goodness. I would have had to do something I've never, ever done on the M factor before. And that's predict a loss, but God bless Michigan and the coaching staff for saving me these last few weeks and having not to do that. It is going to be Michigan 35, Ohio state 31 in a shootout in Ann Arbor. Based on both teams play the last couple of weeks and certainly think that this one, this could be one of those Cooper era feeling games. Don't you guys think? I, I really, I really do. Ohio State has everything to lose in this game, everything to lose. And how sweet it would be to take the Buckeye pride down a few notches. We'll get that rival sweep. We got that rival sweep to play for. 
That goal has really made this second half of the season fun and enjoyable, to say the least. A couple of the the key points of the game, weather could be a factor, folks. Weather, keep looking at that weather forecast for Ann Arbor, and it's looking, it kind of goes on and off from snow to rain. Hopefully it stays clear because I really want Shea Patterson to have his full abilities at hand, especially against Fields, especially if Fields does have that possible uh, broken left thumb. It's not his throwing hand, but still, you know, he's taking that snap with the with the left hand left hand down. So uh, most of the time he's in the the shotgun, but we'll we'll see. Uh, win the turnover battle. Second point. Win that turnover battle. Already alluded to that earlier in the episode. That's the, almost the exact same game plan as the Indiana game. Win the turnover battle and do not spot them early points. Do not spot them. Don't make the key mistakes. That you, like you did against Penn State, allowing them to score, putting a, a really slow guy and the fastest guy on the field. Don't do that. You cannot have a coaching blunder. You cannot have one of those misplays because Ohio State's going to exploit it. They always do. They're still well coached, folks. They're still a good squad. As much as that pains me to say, they're an excellent style. A lot of people do think they are the best team in the country, and they've shown it, rightfully so. No, I'm not going to argue with that. But let's not spot them any points it's remember it's it's our stat from the penn state game lost chances right it's those things that where you where you uh you know you have that possibility you just blown opportunities that's what we called it that's right it was it was opportunities that were lost and those things we cannot do this this weekend especially against a good team especially when technically on paper they are better than us so we need to play our a game and hopefully hope that they have maybe an A minus game. So so we will see. Just don't spot them points. Don't spot them the the key mistakes that we have made in the past to help us lose the game. Let's get Harbaugh that big first win against the Buckeyes and end the season on a high high note. I'm I'm really looking forward to it as usual, guys. So it's gonna be a great time up there at the Sanford Lake Bar and Grill. Sadly, we are out of time, folks, on this Tuesday special of the M Factor Live. I want to thank everyone for watching and tuning in and in case you missed it or want to listen again while you are maybe tailgating or headed to Ann Arbor this weekend or driving home to see the folks, I'll try to post it on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Make sure to go catch that this weekend. And don't forget to share this if you uh, on Facebook. Make sure to share it on your page. Got a lot of good shares last week. It really helps the viewership. It really helps the support of the M Factor and all the Michigan fans out there. So, uh, if you're tuning in, make sure to hit that share button on your on your page. It really helps. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate all the comments this episode. So just want to involve everyone in the discussions and the variety of thoughts and opinions. Thanks again, guys. Don't forget to tune in this Saturday at noon on Fox for the game. For those heading to Ann Arbor, be safe and have fun. Be loud as usual. I know you will be. Have a great and safe Thanksgiving weekend, everyone. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. Go Blue.